everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. We're back. Happy Pride Month. Happy Father's Day. I'm going to say that every episode that it's Pride Month. Yeah, and happy Pride to all of our fathers out there. We have some updates from last week's Double Date that I wanted to tack on. We used to bring in stuff whenever we asked questions and people would answer. What do you have? We might start doing that again. No, not on double dates. We might have to do a double date addendum, like 10 minute blocks. Addendum, yeah. Of information, yeah. I'll go really fast. So our last double date was fresh air. And Tiffany told us that they made a big deal about how Cindy was the youngest daughter. They did. And the princess. They did. There's a younger daughter, a fourth daughter that they never talked about named Jamie. Where is Jamie? Jamie declined to be mentioned. Yeah. If I was the young, if I was the actual youngest, I might also say, you know what? Let's just not yeah. put me yeah. in this. Yeah. Also, I did a poll about sisters skinny dipping. It's a no, right? 80% said they thought it was strange. 12% said they did it when they were kids. 7% said they were too body conscious because that was one of my suggestions. Yeah. But no, don't do that to yourself. You're all size beautiful. Yeah. And 1% said yes all the time. 1%. One person did write that they used to have naked family sauna time with their aunt and their grandma, and I don't like it. I don't know. I feel like that is just such a different family that I had that I can't say if it's weird or not. I'm like, oh, okay, that's your family. That's what yeah. you do. Actually, my aunt would do that. My aunt runs around naked all the time. Oh, there you not go. Not Roxanne, the other one. Well, see, there's, I think it's just, I see how it could happen. Well, good for your aunt. I mean, I don't know. She just... <laughs> She's free to be her. She's free to be her. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. What you just said right before about that they left out the youngest daughter. I feel like after this episode, we cannot trust blood relatives. Right. Oh, we never could, but we especially can't. Especially. Yeah. I want everyone to take a giant grain of salt with the information you're being given. But this show, I feel like is even more accurate than most of the ID shows we've done. Not this one. Not this episode, maybe. Yeah. So... We did this episode, this case in a Patreon, which was called True Lies in June of 2019. Highly suggested. I just re-listened to it. It was really good. If I do say so myself, you had the most crazy outside info. That's funny because I don't remember this at all. I remember two things from this case. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, there's a bunch of stuff that they left out that the Dateline included, but there's a couple things that Dateline left out. That this episode included (gasps) that added a new layer to motive. And so I thought that was interesting. I'm sorry. I remembered the outside info. Do you know why? Because I looked up stuff on him the minute this episode ended, which must be what I did last time for the dateline. So I found out I know the outside info you're talking about. Okay. I remember. I'm not going to say it because I want people to join our Patreon. Is that a D move? Yeah. It's Father's Day. It's Pride (laughs) Month. So this episode of Blood Relatives from ID is called Flesh and Blood. It was suggested by Andrea Shaw on Twitter. Thank you so much. And our first season two? It's an, I don't know if we've done a season this early. Yeah. Because I don't tend to look at them because the couple that I looked at from the earlier seasons did not have the symbols that we tend to like. So I kind of wrote them off. But this one did. But this one had heavy symbols. So Heavy symbols. Proves me wrong. It's season two, episode four. I had the exact same problem I had with the dateline is the kinds or the kinds. Kind. D. And then 
I had to listen to our episode where we finally figured out you had made all of your titles a play on the word kind. And then yeah. at the very end of the dateline, you realized it was kind and you threw your pen down. That makes sense. You were so angry. But then I had subtitles on on this one. So I knew it was kind. There you go. Yeah. There you go. We did not do that with Dateline. Nope. So we start with an old intro photo. Oh, I want to say this is what I'm trying to with the old seasons, the intro photo is different. With the family, the rich family, it has the sons. I've mentioned it before. It's three sons and a daughter. But then in the later seasons, the rich family with the blood dripping down is two rich daughters and one son. So I'm dying to know the story. If anyone knows who these actors are, it's sort of like the guy who quit the Beatles before they became famous. What happened there? I think they just switched it up. Why, though? They kept the father, the mother the same. The setting is exactly the same. Why did they need to redo it? It was great the way it was. I do prefer the two daughters, though. I'm sure someone either is mad that you noticed or is really glad that you noticed because I've never noticed because I barely look at them. Well, the new daughter is definitely glad that I noticed because she gets a close up and the new the daughters are good. I didn't even know she got a close up. I just do not pay attention to that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. They just look so rich. And I always look at the two daughters and think, how could I look like that? My hair is not that smooth. I don't wear pearl earrings. They just look, they ooze money. They look like they should be on Gossip Girl. Pearl earrings do make you look rich. Pearl yeah. earrings and a headband would make yeah. you look a lot richer. So we are in <laughs> Florida Seminole. So there's another dateline that happens in Seminole. And we didn't do titles like, it's a Seminole, blah, blah, blah. No, we didn't do that. We ha open up, you guys, we have two creatures of the week. They're friends. Or rather, a creature of the week that is twins, not twins. Brothers. They're brothers. They look so similar. I think they're iguanas, and they are yeah, very cute. I have found an affinity for iguanas. There's a green one and a brown one. Yeah. I've never seen a brown one before. I haven't either. But I think there, but there's two because this story involves two stories, two sides of the same story, two people's words against each other. So that's why there's two iguanas. It's very smart. Oh, here's a brown one from Florida. Okay. Are you done? These look much larger and scarier than the ones in this episode. They all have hair on their back. I see. So I don't know if these, these are an iguana type animal. They're punk teenagers. Yeah. So we have the obligatory opening fake out scene, which where you think it's a murder and it's not a murder. And it involves a sheet over a body, but it turns out to be a broken fence and there's paint and tools under the sheet to fix the fence. It's really dumb. That was a crazy fake out. Yeah. Blatant statement. Husband, Bill and wife, Diane Kine. She looks at her watch while they are fixing a fence in their dress clothes, collared shirts, skirts, heels, whatever. She looks at her watch and she goes, spados, spados, spados. And then they go to this restaurant. Aren't they painting a fence? They're literally in the middle of painting a fence, but they have a reservation. So they got to go. And that's why they're all dressed up. It makes no sense. As someone who is currently painting every part of their house, I can tell you once you open the can and put reseal the lid back on, you can't get those brushes back. You can't get it never is the same. It's never the same again. No. So at the table, it's all orange. It's pops of orange, peach, peachy, orange. Coral? Coral. Co yeah, I'd say coral. Salmon? There's some coral and some salmon for sure. There's a close-up shot of orange juice. 
There's a lot of colors in their their clothing. There's a lot of orange juice in this. There's a lot of orange juice. It's very symbolic. Sometimes it gets spilled. It's the whole thing. Is it because of Florida? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Is it that simple? I could buy that. Okay. Or is it just because of the color? But it brings us back to when we discussed our last orange episode, we said, well, if the actors have to bring their own clothing, which they usually do on this type of show, and you told them you have to bring orange, or is it like the set, the costumer has to have a bunch of clothing with orange? So she's already had orange. So maybe that's why they keep picking red and orange episodes. I honestly did not know this was orange till later. I pretty much thought it was coral because oh. they're all he's in a coral polo, not a orange polo. So yeah. I think they're fudging the line. And I think you're exactly right. They had orange stuff from the last time. So mm-hmm. they reuse it or whatever. That episode was later. So they reuse stuff from this. This may be the first time orange is used. And they and maybe they had actors bring their own clothes, et cetera, et cetera. And somebody the closest they had was Coral because she's in Coral jewelry. When did you get it when they were in the police station and everything on the cop's desk is orange? I got the color from the fence scene. Oh. I knew the color then because the girl's in a skirt, the dad's in a polo. Like there were too many. And then his gloves. Oh, right. But you thought it was orange. You thought it was coral. Coral. And then yeah. the why they keep showing Diane and coral jewelry. And then yeah. it's straight up orange in the police station later. So I don't yeah. know if that means something. Regardless, that's our color land. That's it. Okay. So weekly they go to this restaurant to reminisce about when Bill met Diane. But today is Father's Day. So she's giving him a gift. She gives him a peach coral wrapped box and it is a wrench and some sort of cuff, like a bracelet, maybe framed in a shadow box type thing. And there's a plaque inside that says tomorrow is forever. Happy Father's Day. Sorry. Yesterday past. Yesterday's past. Period. Tomorrow is forever. No period. It said yesterday's past. Yesterday's past. Tomorrow is forever. No period. Which could be a typo or it could be like, because tomorrow is forever. There's no end to that sentence. Dot, dot, dot. Just goes on forever. I don't like that sentiment. (laughs) Either. I feel like it should say yesterday is past because yesterday's past makes me feel like it's possessive, even though it's not. It's, I don't like it. That's your category. I don't know. Or it could be. Maybe yesterday's past, like it. The past of yesterday. Yesterday's past. But I think they're trying to say yesterday is past. They are. It's proper. It's still totally correct. I just don't like it and I would have spelled it out. I'm sorry. I blacked out like 10 seconds ago. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, this sign though, this like gift, the wrench in the box will be like the there's no place like home sign from the Wizard of Oz. We will see it again. But they don't explain this gift at all. What it means. Why is she giving it to him? What it is it symbolic of? Why is that bracelet in there? Did someone make it? She got it made for him, clearly. But did props make it for the show? Yeah, I think so. That's not cheap. Or they found it, used it from another show. And they're like, we're just going to leave it in there. And and we'll get a new plaque made. I thought immediately someone's going to be killed with a wrench. Me too. Like, obviously, well, clearly. someone's going to be killed with a wrench. Diane loves the new lavish lifestyle that her husband, Bill, provides. She wants to keep it that way. Close up of a bloody meat being cut. So there's Mm. our blood. Mm -hmm. We get the, you know, that with the, what do you call it? The tone changes. It's not sepia. The gradient. Yeah, the 
the weird, but I do also, this is our kitchen scene, right? Spago's restaurant is our kitchen. Kind of. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Diane's strapping son, Kevin, helps rebuild the fence. He loves his stepfather, William. William treats him like a son. Kevin even changes his last name to Kine to honor his stepfather. Not to be confused. Yeah. With Kevin Klein. With, with Kevin Klein. From the Big Chill. And in and out And Mr. Fish Odor on Pop's Burgers. And Dave. He's into so many things. A fish called Wanda. Yeah. So Lots we see- of fish things. <laughs> Sorry. That's just side note. Okay, go ahead. We see a close-up of Kevin doing push-ups, and his face is just almost touching the grass every time. It's a very intense shot. I don't know why it's there, but that actor had to do a lot of push-ups for that. So yeah. I just felt like I needed to mention it as we see you. You did a good job. So then we meet. We have so many random interviews. I couldn't keep track of them all in this episode. But one of the random interviews is a family friend who has a soul patch and very long hair. And he looks like the lead singer of a 311 type band. He is, I think. I think if we were to look at his Instagram, he would yeah. be in a band called like Tomorrow is Forever or whatever. <laughs> that would be like the name of one of his songs is Tomorrow is Forever. Wrench in a box. Yeah, exactly. So he gives us the best quote of the ever. ever. He gives us a couple good ones. He says, Kevin wasn't particularly intelligent or driven. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. What kind of way do you mean it? Do you mean it in a nice way? Just reading him. Why Why would you think that was de derogatory? The library is open. And then you're saying he's dumb and lazy. Oh my God. And then he goes, he's just not the type of guy that would pursue an astrophysics degree. You know what, buddy? Then why don't you just say that? Why yeah. don't you just say that part and we would have gotten... The not maybe the most smartest and et cetera, most, <laughs> most smartest, smartest from that. We would have understood yeah. if you had just said, you know, he wasn't going to go to Stanford for astrophysics. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You don't have to say wasn't particularly intelligent. That's not nice. It's not. So I, we can say that because we didn't know Kevin. I just wrote Kevin is a dummy on my yeah. notes because I was like, well, that's what he's telling us. Yeah. Kevin lives at home. He tries his best, but he is eclipsed by William's blood son, Jeremy, who is an achiever and follows in his dad's footsteps in business. We see the stepbrothers boxing and sparring with each other to show that there's tension betwixt them. But this family's cushy life, because they did really well because Bill was had a lot of money, which Dateline does not go into, which we had to struggle a lot with motive because we thought Bill was lazy and just lived off life insurance. We'll get to it. But anyways. Who's Bill? William is Bill. William? Oh, sorry. They call him William this entire episode. Yeah, but Dateline, they call him Bill. Oh, well, that's okay. So if we say Bill or William, that's the same person. Yeah, same person. But anyways, they don't go over it in the Dateline at all. But William, Bill, made a lot of money, was a flashy guy, jewelry, the whole thing. But their cushy life was about to take a harsh turn because the real estate market in Florida is not doing well. And so now we see the gradient toned shots of the wrench gift shattering, the glass breaking everywhere, mm. two iguanas, and then what appears to be a crocodile head falling on a bedroom floor. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Yeah, it was. A crocodile or alligator head, just the head, yeah. 
falling giant, like full, like an actual thing that maybe someone would have on a wall if they killed it. No, no, no. They're not that big. They're like this. Have you ever seen one in real life? No. Those heads. They're like a the jaws when you got the shark jaws that are like that. They're light, and it's like that because it's just like the outline of a. It's not as heavy or big as you think, because it's a small crocodile. They use them from small ones. Right, but is it a real crocodile head? Yeah. Yeah, they sell them like they sell the shark jaws. Like when a crocodile dies, they'll stuff the the head at the alligator farms. Okay, but do people usually mount them? No, they would sit on a table. Okay. They're not mounted on a wall. So sitting on a table and it, I guess, falls to the floor. Unexplained, never explained in the episode. Florida. Florida. It's an alligator. They want to push the point home. We're in Florida. Orange juice, alligator heads. Orange juice, Florida. Yeah, orange juice crocs. They have been living a charmed life. And we see the mom, Diane, opening her purse and has a wad of hundies in it. Okay. And, but now they're forced to count pennies. So that's, I see what you did, Brenda, because we see the hundreds. And then she says, count pennies. So they have a yard sale. The sign has orange slash salmon paint yep. that says yard sale. Yep. All of their tools are orange. Every single thing they put out at the yard sale is one color. It's like, yeah. Hey, or no, there's one other thing that is a different color. What is it? The table of trophies. Yeah, there's a table of trophies. There's like a table of trophies they show over and over in the background. No one's buying your used trophies. No one. Someone buying a used soccer trophy that says best soccer team the red dragons in you know 1998 you have trophies no my brother does he still has them yeah they're probably around somewhere okay i threw all those away i think that's what happens to trophies because no one else wants them you either keep them in your childhood bedroom or you throw them away or you put them in storage you do not sell them at a yard sale because no one's you could all of these for 10 cents is basically what you're gonna get but you could get it replaqued. You could take it to the store and they would put a new plaque on it. That would probably be cheaper than buying a brand new trophy. Oh, yeah. Maybe. That's a good That's a good reseller business, by the way. I do have a trophy, actually. I'm looking at it right now. I have a huge trophy that my dad gave me when we won Fantasy Football League. That's amazing. He got it. It's not from our league. He just got it. That's very cool. I like that. I have the boat from the slot tournament when I won. Yes, you do. That's right. I have one trophy, but... I think that's actually a good side business. Change the plaque and then resell or sell blank trophies that like you take the plaque off and then just sell those online. Because there aren't that many sports that have trophies. No, I like it. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Okay. Okay. Mark Ting and Kimberly, if we go into a secondary trophy reseller business. Okay. Diane decides to chip in in helping with the family finances and she's going to resell items on eBay. Speaking of which... (laughs) <laughs> she just she fills up a couple of rooms with items rooms multiple rooms filled with stuff to sell on ebay i wanted to know what she was selling so bad they drop this storyline completely you also have to kind of spend money to then resell items so yeah. what aren't you hard up for money what's happening what is she okay anyways mary Kay, i needed to know it sounds like she got backed up or she's a hoarder yeah. Because usually I would think you try to keep the stuff moving. If you have that much backup where you have rooms going of things that aren't selling or you haven't posted yet, then you need to take a break and catch up on all that stuff. Correct. Or if your stuff is not selling and you have two rooms filled with backup, you need to lower your prices. 
Or if you're selling things that are like medium size, so they take up a lot of space yeah. in a room. Maybe she's selling like thigh masters and they come in a box. And so mm. it's, you know what I'm saying? Like a mm. large shoe box full. I don't know. Anyways. Mm. We see Kevin holding an axe ominously because there's always an axe. It started, I guess, in season two. There's always a symbolic axe. At least I think so. I don't think Katie thinks so. I'm starting to agree with you. I'm relinquishing on my negativity on that. Thank you. Probably right. Kevin has constant headaches and can't help out around the house. So Diane, mom, gives him some medicine, which are some orange pills, generic orange Tylenol, orange Advil pain, muscle and joint pain. Just a life tip. Don't take an unmarked orange capsule. (laughs) Just don't. Just, you know, you don't know. I mean, Nuprin was little yellow different oh that's right you remember newprint yeah but i don't know what orange pills are a capsule too not just yeah. like a pill I, yeah it could be filled with anything black tar yeah. heroin we don't know <laughs> so bill and diane are kind of sick of kevin not helping out around the house now he but he has these constant chronic headaches and they don't really believe him they think he's faking i sometimes i know i felt bad for him because i get a lot of headaches Sometimes my headaches are from squinting and not wearing my glasses. Katie, do you notice anything different about me? Oh, those are really cute. As I put on my new glasses, making the answer very obvious what it should be. They're so cute. 10 out of 10. These are Warby Parker, the Jillian. Ooh. And I'm obsessed with them. Yes, I know that. I know that style. That's really cute. Perfect for you. They look great on your face. Thank you. Yeah. Warby Parker was founded with rebellious spirit and lofty goal, which is how I was founded as well. And it is the tagline on my dating profile. I wish. <laughs> I so wish. Founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to find a man. I will give you $100 if you put that on your dating profile. <laughs> I am not joking. I love Warby Parker. I love their home try-on program because I hate leaving my house. And uh-huh. so first... You take an online quiz. Everyone knows how much I love a quiz. Yep. And you pick out five glasses that you want to try on at home. And they send them to you in the mail so fast, so fast. Now, my first five pairs, I found a couple that I really liked, like I was in like with, but I wasn't in love with. So I mailed them back and I picked five more. And again, this is all free. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found the Jillian and I was obsessed. Yeah, the Jillian's just right. And what's great about them is you can test them out at home. You have five days. You can show them to your family. I showed them to my family and got them to weigh in. But really, the Jillian was like the glass slipper. And when it went on, it was like, ah. Yeah, I love that. And that do- the doves came out. And I was like, that's that's it. Glasses are kind of like that. I feel like when you put, it's like a wedding dress. When you yeah. put on the right one, you that's the right one. Yeah. It's exactly like that. Mm-hmm. I love them. They're so high quality. They're so cute. They make me want to leave the house so that I can get compliments on them. And I love them so much that I ordered my first pair of prescription sunglasses, which is a game changer. Yes. Why did I never do this? Now, when I go on walks, I can actually see things. And it's like, there's trees. I can see them. It's a miracle. I love prescription sunglasses. They are a game changer. Why did I never do that? And they're called the Percy, which I love. Yeah, I like the Percy too. Yeah, they're very cute. Yeah. Like Harry Potter. 
Warby Parker also has contact lenses. They are super affordable. They have their own brand of contact lenses, and they also sell other brands. And the glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses, which is so reasonable. And again, they're really high quality. Plus, they have the sunglasses. They have progressives. They have blue light lenses. And Warby Parker also does good. For every pair of eyeglasses sold, they distribute a pair of glasses to someone in need. And we love a company that gives back like that. Yes. It's amazing. So try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Again, try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com forward slash date date line. Yes. And see how bright your future can be. After she said that, she lowered her head in a little bow as if to say, you're welcome. Welcome, America. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Thank you. It's not even that good. I was I couldn't remember that tomorrow is forever. So I had to go with <laughs> what I did. Forever is forever is another. And see all your tomorrows forever. <laughs> Bob's Burger, when t- Teddy makes an inspirational poster, he goes in the inspirational poster business. And the poster is today is tomorrow's yesterday. Oh, no, that's just a brain teaser. Everyone's upset. Oh, thank you, Warby Parker. I really, really love my new glasses. Thank you, Warby Parker. So Kevin sits at the table, as one does, in the kitchen with a glass of water and a glass sand timer where the sand is a little peachy color. Yeah, it's full peach. Yeah, it's yeah. like salmon. William comes in, the dad, and says, you need to get out. Get a job or move out. You have a month. And Diane, his mom, agrees. So Kevin tips over the glass of water, but which is one of two times a glass of beverages tips over for no reason. What does it mean? What does it mean? I don't know. And then a close-up of the sand timer, which starts to run out because his time is ticking into the future. Tomorrow's tomorrow into tomorrow's. Tomorrow's <laughs> tom- yeah. today's tomorrow's. So the month deadline is up before we even know it. And William says, you have to leave. And Kevin is sure his mom is going to stick up for him and say, no, he's my son. He can stay. And she says, yeah, no, you have to go. Sorry. And Mm. so Kevin gives back his orange colored house key. So symbolic. And he leaves. Why? Why? No one knows why. It's okay. so random. Okay, 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 okay. It was picked at random and they just got any object that they could find that was orange and put it in there. Sweet Lord. So now Perfect Son, who is William's actual son, Jeremy, Jeremy. falls on hard times. And so William lets Jeremy move in with his girlfriend, Tina. And Diane is like, what the F? That's a slap in the face to my son who you made us kick out. It's not great. It's not great. And then we meet for two seconds, an interview with a random, another random family friend named Jacqueline, but she's completely in shadow. She uses her name. Is this the only time we see her? Yeah. Was it worth it? I don't know. Why? Okay. She wanted to be on the show, but not that badly. Was she on Dateline? If you knew her, you would make out her face for sure. Yeah, for sure. No, because she's not on Dateline because I, if she was in Shadow, I would have mentioned it on the podcast. And she's not in Disguise or Shadow on Dateline. So 
Turns out, Kevin was not faking his headaches. He has a brain tumor. He needs brain surgery. Sweet Lord. So it goes well. He now walks around for a head with a head wrap for a little bit in the episode. Mm-hmm. Now, Diane, his mom, feels so guilty that she kicked him out. And it is the, just the best I told you so ever. Yeah. Like, I told you I wasn't faking, Mom. Look at this stitches on my brain. It really is. She feels guilty. She lets Kevin come home to recover. So now the whole family is under one roof. Tensions are high. Everyone's tense. The iguanas are tense. It's a lot. Plus two rooms of the house have eBay for furniture in them. So there's not a lot of room. That stuff had to go into storage. They had to get a storage unit, right? There's no way they could keep all of those thigh masters. Do the two iguanas represent Jeremy and Kevin? That was my thought. No, the two iguanas represent Will, William, Bill, and Kevin, which we'll get to because there's two sides to the story. It's a he said, he said. So there's two suspects, two stories, two iguanas. Two months after the surgery, on a lazy Sunday, Kevin runs out of the house in his underwear And Brenda Strong in voiceover says, oh, my. And he runs to a neighbor's house and says, call 911. And he has a bloody nose and his neck has marks on it. And we meet the neighbor that he ran over the house. The neighbor has white mutton chops that are connected to his white mustache with a pencil thin line of hair. That's not a mutton chop. No. Well, it was a thick brow, not brow. What's this called? Sideburn. Sideburn. A long sideburn. So the sideburns come down and then they sharply jut like a knife into the mustache. With a thin line of hair, of white hair. Like a a pencil thin. Pencil thin line that goes into the mustache. Fascinating. Also, he's a white man and this is happening with white hair. Fascinating. So you can barely see it. I've never... What is it called? How much time does that take to perfect with the, sh- they get that thin of a straight line? Does he have to tweeze? Is there plucking going on? We're calling this the rage- razor's edge. Yeah. The razor's edge. Okay. So I didn't mention it before, but I'm going to mention it now. It is the heart of hurricane season, but the fastest thing running through Seminole is Kevin running for help. It's important that I reference this because every blood relative's that we've seen has had some sort of storm metaphor in it, even if there's no rain. They just always say storms brewing and they show maybe a cloud, but there's never rain. There's only rain like once. Or they talk about hurricane season, but then there's no hurricanes. But so does Dateline. Yeah, Dateline does the exact same thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They just did it to us in a recent episode. You're absolutely right. Kevin is wrapped in an orange blanket at the neighbor's house. (sighs) He's on the phone with 911. And he said he was sleeping on the couch and they show him sleeping on the couch and his headphones that are in his ears are orange and he's shirtless sleeping on the couch because that's all he does is lay around the house. Sure. And on our Dateline Patreon episode, we discussed what his video game preferences might be. We did? Yeah, you thought it was World of Warcraft. And they show a picture of him with a huge bag of Chex Mix next to him. And he's just very greasy on the couch all the time. I remember you saying this. Okay, it's striking a chord. He's sleeping on the couch, shirtless, earbuds in. His dad wakes him up. His stepdad wakes him up and says, you need to go see your mother right now. And so he goes to his mom's room and she's lying in bed and her face is blue because she's dead. 
and God. he's just staring like, oh, my God. And then from behind, he's standing in the doorway and from behind him, Bill comes up and starts to attack him and chokes him. And so Kevin gets away somehow and they don't go into it in the in this one, but a date line they do in some part of the struggle or his running away, his shorts come off. And that's why he's in his boxers, because the police find the shorts in the front lawn. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> and I thought it the funniest thing that I've ever seen. And I wanted like a recreation with the cops, with the them attacking each other, figuring out how these shorts came off. I forgot. Okay, It's really funny. And they should have mentioned it on Blood Relatives. And he doesn't try to put them back on before going to the neighbors. No, he runs in the boxers. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? So the police go to the house. They find William there waiting with his own story to tell. He says Kevin killed Diane. And it turns out she was strangled. We see a close up of her watch. We always see they love a close up of a corpse's watch. Every episode. Smashed. Smashed watch. Smashed. Or even if it's not smashed, they show the watch. Always a close-up of their watch in bed. Are we able to say time is a theme in this one? Because we have all the tomorrow's, yesterday's nonsense. Maybe. And we, we also have the time turner. That, that's true. Oh, yeah. The sand thing. Mm-hmm. What's, it, what's that called? Hourglass. Hourglass. I. That's a good, yeah, that could be a good point. But time know. is not important to the solving the murder at all. Which, w- but again, their tie-ins kind of are not that accurate always. Okay, okay. Yeah. It might have been better suited for another episode where the timeline was very important. So William is very quiet. He's just sitting there. He shows almost no emotion. He, after a a long time goes by, he asks the police, "Is she dead?" Hmm. He's just acting very odd. There's some blood on her leg and the comforter, which they're going to test. There's another 911 call that William made that the police find. So there's two 911 calls, two iguanas. Ah. One 911 call is Kevin blaming William. The other 911 call is William blaming Kevin. So stepdad blaming son, son blaming stepdad. William, stepdad, says he heard Kevin and the mom arguing in the bedroom. He walked in and Kevin was choking his mom. So he tried to get Kevin off of her. And in this reenactment is when everything falls to the floor in the struggle between Kevin and William, including the giant crocodile head. And a snow globe that we don't know what it was. Yeah, a bunch of tchotchkes that are maybe important and maybe not. Oh, and the wrench present box. And again, the crocodile head. And then Kevin is like, see you later, alligator. And he flees the scene. (laughs) Yeah. And then William called 911 and said, my stepson just killed my wife. But William, the most important part here is that, well, what I wrote anyways is William has this interaction with Kevin, this fight. Yeah. Goes to the kitchen, calls 911. Yeah. Does not go back into the room to see if indeed Diane is still breathing or et cetera. Correct. So that's something the Dateline goes into a lot is like, why didn't you go back and check your wife? She could have still been alive. Because he killed her. But yeah, and when the paramedics are in there working on her, he stays outside. He doesn't ask if it's working or anything. Because he killed her. Because he killed her. Okay. The other thing that Dateline goes into, which this one doesn't, is the paramedics had said she was cold when they got there. But William said he caught Kevin in the act of killing her. 
So if he's telling the truth, she would not have been cold. So it seems really obvious that William the dad did it. Okay. But we'll see. So we have one house, one victim, two suspects, two iguanas. William is also wearing his peach shirt this whole time. Of course. Why not? Police go and arrest Kevin because they believe William and they, for reasons we don't know why, and can they go arrest Kevin from the neighbor's house and they walk him past the iguanas, which are just chilling. But was it one iguana or just the green one? Two iguanas at that point. I only saw one. One was crawling. Yeah. Okay, so the The green green one one was crawling, crawling and the dark one was just sitting there. So is that supposed to mean something? William is the brown one because he's staying in the house and Kevin is the green one because he's leaving. Kevin is being walked away by the police. So he that iguana was okay. crawling towards the future. Tomorrow is today's yesterday. Tomorrow's forever. Yeah. Yep, there he goes. The police are packing up the crime scene, including, <laughs> tell me you caught this. They pick up the mom's hand. Oh, no, I don't think. And she has like a ring on her finger and you think they're going to maybe take the ring to test it. They put the mom's entire hand in an evidence bag. Like they just take her hand, place it in an evidence bag. How are you going to close that bag? Are you going to cut off her hand? (laughs) I died. Oh, my gosh. What are you planning to do here, sir? Why? Where was everyone on set to be like, this doesn't (laughs) seem correct. It's not right. This is going to read as weird. Okay. Oh, brother. She was about to pick up her dog's dog poop. So she puts her hand, you know, you put your hand in the back of the plastic. Yes. And and you you turn turn it inside inside out out. and do the thing. That's what they did with her dead hand. I'm sure. Police, give me a call. Explain that to me. Maybe they're collecting like debris, anything loose. So maybe they take the bag and then sort of. They shake it. Sort of shake her hand a little bit and see if any kind of like hairs or any fibers fall off but it seems like it would be better to take tape and like you know what i'm saying normally they would go with a magnifying glass on her hands look for hairs and maybe swab her hands especially defensive wounds clean her nails things like that which was a huge point that katie made on the dateline is if we had her under her fingernails tested that might help us out a lot you think yeah No, let's just shake her hand in a bag. That seems to work. (laughs) Then we'll just do that old trick. Police wonder, so is it Kevin, Diane's son? Is it William? He's acting very weird. But also, where's Jeremy, the other son? Could he have done it? Obviously not. No one is pointing to Jeremy, but the show goes there anyways. Unsure why. We, We don't know. Does Dateline go there? No. Okay, Dateline does not care about Jeremy. No. Okay. You literally have two people that are pointing the finger at each other and the police are like, but it's probably this third person who no one's pointing at. That makes sense. It seemed believable to me because I didn't remember really the episode of Dateline. So I was like, oh, okay. I sometimes it's good to have a goldfish brain because this was like watching a new story for me. I love that. I was into it. So as we return from commercial, we're going to get the shocking news of William's past that they tease right before mm-hmm. we go to commercial, that there's something about William slash Bill that's not all on the up and up. The neighbor with the razor's edge, mm-hmm. white hair, he's taking a walk down the street with the detectives. This is all happening on the day of the murder. And he says to them, just kind of offhandedly, you know, it's strange that another woman has died in this house. 
I don't think that was an offhanded comment. I think that was 100% on purpose yeah. to let the detectives know, hey, this isn't maybe cool. And the police are like, Ugh? Yeah. They're what? Like, Excuse me? Say again? One more time? And so apparently 10 years earlier, William slash Bill, his first wife had also met an untimely death in that house. The first wife had wandered out of the house in the middle of the night in her nightgown, somehow fallen into the pool and drowned. When no one was around. Yeah. Apparently didn't splash or make any noise. Just sleep fell in. I don't yeah. know. Do we get more information about that in the dateline? Was that, no. was there anything weird about that? No. Other than that it's very weird? It's just very weird. Okay. Unless she was a sleepwalker, which she wasn't. Right. So this, okay, for some reason this is not ruled as a homicide. They think it's an accident. But they also believe that she may have had an insurance policy on her life. We do find out later that she did. But at this point in Blood Relatives, we don't know that yet. Yeah. But we can assume. And that, that's all the information we're giving. We have to make guesses about everything else. Well, she died only eight months before he got together with Diane. Oh, did they tell us that? Okay, so it was that fast. In the dateline, it's only eight months from one wife to another wife. Oh, well, and the weird thing is... They tell us at the beginning of Blood Relatives, and I thought it was an odd sentence, and I almost wrote it down, because they say, freshly widowed. Yeah, freshly. Very freshly. That's how they describe William. Freshly widowed William looked through the window of the nail salon and saw Diane. Mm -hmm. Like, that was kind of his thing. So, okay, interesting. So, meanwhile, we're back at the police station. Kevin is there. He's getting fingerprinted, and the cops are finding out that Kevin and his mom had a strained relationship. She had apparently written him a few emails that basically said she wanted him to straighten up, get his life together, you need to leave the house. I'm a little confused on the timeline on this, that she had kicked him out once. Are the emails from the first kickout or from this second bout after he got his brain surgery, telling him again he needed to leave. Telling him again he needed to leave, and their okay. relationship had deteriorated so much that they were only communicating by email, even though they were living in the same house. Yeah, that's not great. That's pretty bad. It's not great. Also, or Kevin's face when he's being fingerprinted looked yeah. like they had put self-tanner on him so that he looks orange. And I was like, they're really committing to the theme. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, they're man, I didn't see it. committed to the theme. That's really upsetting. Also, we do get at this point, I don't know if this is the first time we see it. It's the first time I noticed it. But in the master bedroom, yeah. we get these shots through a giant fish tank, uh -huh. which have big orange goldfish, goldfish in it. Yep. So again, orange. So we're seeing orange. her lying on her bed with her laptop, like through these orange fish. Who's going to feed the fish? We also see a close up of their ceiling fan. Because, again, sometimes they pick random things to close up on, and sometimes they pick things that are important to close up on, and it's up to you, the viewer, to decide what is important. To be intelligent enough to decipher what's what. Yeah. And we are trying our best. Newsflash. <laughs> yeah. We're not quite there yet. We're not at all. So... Kevin at the police precinct is insisting that he loved his mom and that his stepdad killed her and that he can prove it. He requests to take a polygraph test and lo and behold, he passes. So there's a lot of footage of this polygraph test. I don't know what a polygraph test is supposed to look like, but I don't think it's actual printouts. I feel like a polygraph is something that you look at on a screen now. Probably now it's not printed out, I would guess. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. I would guess it's all digital now. Okay, maybe so. Did you notice the coffee cup? Oh, yeah. That is steaming so much. I did. Even though there's a time lapse, half an hour goes by. I didn't write it down because I think that's a red herring symbol. When I didn't do it. They do that a lot. Way too steamy of coffee cups at police stations. And I feel like there's dry ice in that cup. Definitely. There's no way it's staying steamy that long. Definitely. They don't have that many PAs on set, like constantly brewing stuff to keep it steamy. So he passes the polygraphs and apparently they decide he's free to go. That's it. They're like, well, he's not really a suspect right now. So we're going to release him on his own recognizance. Is that what it's called? Uh He's not he's not on bond. He wasn't booked. Nothing. The neighbors are kind of like, what the heck is going on? What? What? Why isn't he in jail? Why aren't they both in jail? It seems to be that's the consensus is that they should both be at the police precinct until they figure out which Bill or Kevin who did it. So anyways, the investigators at this point decide probably their best bet to solve this crime is to gather all of their orange folders together. Which is a lot. And then make sure that all the desk's accessories at the precinct are also orange. Yeah. If you go to Office Depot, do they have an orange section or they have, maybe you'd have to go through in each section, like file folders, binders, paper trays. They ju- and then just buy the orange one. The file folders, you just buy them on Amazon, the orange but ones. Yeah. So where they went to do all the accessories was Home Depot next door and got orange spray paint. There we go. And then spray painted everything the same color of I Tangerine gotcha. Dream or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. It looks silly. And we get the overhead shot. They love an aerial shot that shows you the whole set because it's like, this is our theme. Look at our how much color we got. It. Remember the picnic table of last time? And it's like, oh, it's all orange. See, guys? It looks silly. It's not. Look, I think in the later episodes, I don't feel like we're getting the color as much in unless it's in a costume in the precinct. I don't like it in the precinct because I don't think that precincts aren't like that. Everything's brown. Right. The precincts on the show are usually very dark and black and white, like nothing of color. And here it's like they have pops of orange, like we're in Miami and I guess they're in Florida, so maybe, but I doubt it. That's just not, it's not concrete and orange. No, keep the the symbolic pops of color to the suspects so we can think maybe it points to the suspects. And they do later, but they don't apparently in season two. So which means we need to watch more season two. So anyways, the detectives are there with their orange folders and they decide that they have to talk to Jeremy. Apparently like only an hour has passed. Because the time's real weird on this. The the cops go out, talk to Jeremy, as Jeremy and his girlfriend are just returning to the house. Right. Like an hour after the attack. So we're yeah. supposed to believe that all of this polygraph, everything is taken space in one hour. Mm-hmm. Incorrect. That's fine. We're going to let that go. Anyways, they come back and they don't seem to know that anything has even happened. Which is weird because I feel like William should have called them because they're living at the house and been like, hey, by the way, Diane died. Yeah, there's police at the house. When you get home with the groceries, you're going to be very surprised. Also, your stepmom died. Yeah. How long have they been married? I don't even think even if they had been married for a few months, they should be on your call list of people to call on your phone tree. It's top news. They live at the house right now. So anyways, the cops are talking to Jeremy, who doesn't know that anything's happened. And they're thinking that this seems a little convenient, maybe too convenient, 
that Jeremy was gone during the time of the murder, that he was out shopping at the store. Or he was just gone at the time of the murder. Or he was just shopping at the store. So they talk to him and Jeremy tells them that how bad and dysfunctional Kevin and Diane's relationship had become leading up to the day of the murder. So, I mean, here's the deal with Kevin and his mom. I think that I would be grumpy with my mom if, say, I had just had brain surgery. She was sending me emails trying to tell me how to live my life with purpose. Mm -hmm. And, like, maybe (laughs) she had eaten my last monk pack bar. No, that's, no, last straw. Last straw. Yeah. Mom. It's it would be completely unacceptable. Liz, is that what you is that what your mom did to you? Tell me where your mom hurt you. I can't speak. I point to the doll. I can't speak of it. I'll point to my tummy. She hurt me here. She <laughs> just tell me. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation. And let's be honest, most don't taste very good. They don't fill you up. They certainly don't satisfy your cravings. This episode, we are happy to be sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes delicious snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with only one gram of sugar or less. And I'm talking Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars. They have two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. And again, one gram of sugar or less. Amazing. It is. They're great for anybody who's trying to follow a keto lifestyle, and they are the perfect snack for anybody who's trying to eat better, cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing great taste. Yeah. I am trying very, very hard to start my new healthy lifestyle as my new moniker, Katya. And I am looking... For healthier ways to snack. Like, maybe not every single drink that I have needs to have a red vine as a straw. Just like one a day. Yeah. Like, not every drink. Not every drink. Just one, like a special one can have it. I'm getting better. Because maybe instead of buying, like, the junky bars that happen to also have almonds in them so I can kind of pretend like they're healthy, I can actually have a Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bar in Mm -hmm. pecan almond flavor, and that tastes just as good, and it's actually good for you. The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have the perfect balance of sweet and salty They have crunched from the whole nuts and seeds, but then still like magically managed to be soft and chewy. They come in delicious flavors like sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter, dark chocolate, my all time favorite macadamia white chocolate and latest new favorite, the aforementioned pecan almond. I very much like it. Star on Twitter, one of our listeners ordered them and she's obsessed with the macadamia white chocolate. They're, I mean, they're amazing. She also said she's in a serious relationship with carbs. So if she loves a keto bar, then you know it's good. It's serious. And then also tell her to try the pecan almond. I will. It, it, they're really, really good. I, there's something about them that I'm very into. And I'm also kind of into the caramel sea salt. Regardless, they're perfect for a quick snack to satisfy your sweet tooth without guilt. The great as a quick breakfast out while running errands. Or if you're working out, they're great for after a workout to just grab one. So in addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar, alcohols, or artificial flavors. I am in love with Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars. I probably eat more than I should, but based on my other diet, I think that's okay. I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. So to make sure I'm always fully stocked, I signed up for a subscription to my favorite flavors, which saves me 10% on every order and then ships them to me automatically. So if my mom decides to steal one or two, which she swears she doesn't, and I see the wrappers, I know she is. I saw one 
in the corner, like her car in the little thing next to in the driver's side door. I've never even tried one. What's the rapper doing? Okay. Yeah. She's not fooling anyone. Someone's trying to frame her. Maybe it's Oliver. It's not, but he eats them too. But that's another, that's for another time. Anyways, getting these delicious treats delivered to me on a regular basis has been a complete game changer for the Katya healthy lifestyle of 2021 and my efforts to eat healthier. I, they're finally succeeding. I'm on the, I'm on the path. Oh, me. I just started counting carbs again. Kimber is on the path too. You are? Okay, great. See, look at us. Try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a really special deal for our listeners. You can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code date dateline at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, go to monkpack.com, that's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com, and select any product. Then just enter the code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Yay. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. Monk Pack, keto, nut and seed. Dude, 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 dude. Thank you so much, Monk Pack. Thank you. Okay. So, back to our scene. We are back at the precinct now with William slash bill kind and he is being interviewed and kind of getting so this is his second time interviewed not at the house this seems to be his first time at the precinct but he's getting kind of upset he's in his salmon colored polo he kind of matches everything at the precinct but also kind of clashes mm. it's an interesting look they're definitely toning the tones you know what i'm saying yeah. on the footage mm-hmm. to make it look okay So William at the precinct is getting cranky because he doesn't understand why they released Kevin. He thinks Kevin is the killer and he doesn't understand what's going on. And he's getting a little bit upset because the detective's questions have started to become a little bit accusatory. And he's starting to realize that he may actually be the main suspect and not Kevin. We find out that there it was a $500,000 life insurance policy on Diane And there was a $500,000 life insurance policy on his first wife, whose name we are never told. Those are different numbers than what we had on the dateline. That's interesting. What are the numbers on the dateline? One of them was $750,000. On who? In the dateline. First wife or second wife? The second. I think Diane. It makes sense that he would up it. Yeah. Right? So this whole time that we're hearing this information, he is fiddling with all the keys on his keychain. And of course, he lands on the stupid orange one. Okay, we get it. Like, it's being hammered home very hard. We got to do it all. We got to make sure. Okay. Oh, okay. Now, the crime scene DNA results are coming back. And Kevin seems to be moving even further away from being the main suspect. Because the DNA on the actual strangulation wound on Diane's neck matches William slash Bill Kynes. Or a male member of his bloodline. So Jeremy, him or Jeremy. But because William and Diane are married, they share a bed. It's not that notable that his DNA is found there because they share pillows and stuff, which kind of makes sense. But also like where in the wound? Yeah. Like how deep? You know what I'm saying? I feel like I don't know. Did you notice the CSI detective lady? No. What was she doing? She has bright orange hair. Oh, I did see that. This how far this theme goes. It's too far. (laughs) <laughs> it's I mean it's it's a choice and they went for it. I appreciate that they went for it. I'm not sure if I appreciate it. 
I think go 120% with it. Just go all the way. If you're going to commit to something, fully commit. It's a murder. (laughs) Why are we doing this? I don't. Okay. So, all right. Now, after months, now months have gone by. And after months of painstaking forensic analysis, they somehow realized that this, the blood that you talked about earlier, the blood on Diane's leg and the little bit on the bedspread, which in the reenactment is a spot. It's like yeah. very, very small. I don't know yeah. if it was bigger on Dateline. I don't remember. I don't, I don't know either. No, it, no, it was small. Yeah. Cause I remember you saying it was only a few drops of blood. Very small. Right. Amount. Yeah. Okay. They decide to test that finally because they kind of had just assumed that it was Diane's blood, but they decide that they're going to go ahead and test that blood like that's going to be some big revelation. And so, of course, we go to the commercial with the classic blood relatives like zooming in on the different suspect. Was it the money strapped son, Jeremy, the dad, William, or the disgruntled son who just had brain surgery, Mm -hmm. you know, showing all of them. And I thought we were going to get our iguanas and we don't. They're not there. They come back, though. We This one played them more at the end than usual. I was happy mm. with that. So, Jeremy, we come back from commercial. We're told that Jeremy was pretty quickly ruled out, Nadoi, because his alibi totally checks out. He was seen at the store shopping mm-hmm. during the time. Mm-hmm. So, he goes to say goodbye to the detectives and somehow knocks over a glass of orange juice in the police interview room. Because when you're being interviewed... In an interrogation, they give you a glass of orange juice. They give you a screwdriver with vodka in it? They give you a soda from the vending machine. Who's giving, who's doing the dishes? They're giving you an actual glass of orange juice? Like a glass glass. A glass of orange juice. So you could smash it and like slash someone. No one's giving you a glass. No one's doing that. Yeah. I'm not happy about that. And they seem to be the same glasses that they had at the house. But that's another. It's fine. (laughs) Like those tall juice glasses. Same ones as Spago's, too. Okay, Mm -hmm. whatever. So Jeremy is now no longer a suspect. We're done. So now we get a quick shot of our little iguana friends. The blood results have come back from the leg. And this surprised me. I don't Mm. remember this case. So shock above shocks. They fooled me. The blood on her leg was Kevin, not William, not the husband. Yeah. Kevin, who looked like he was not a suspect anymore, who they set free with the brain surgery. So Kevin had said he was never in the room. So how could his blood have ended up on her leg? But if I understood it right, Kevin had gone into the room to check on her. And I'm sure this is explained more. No, he stood in the doorway. He specifically says, I stood in the doorway. I never went in the doorway. And then he was attacked from behind. And he was hit by William. So why couldn't have blood? He was hit in the nose. So it would be odd for it to, at some point they got tussled and they were tussling around in the hallway. Now there's more stuff of Kevin's that wind up in the bedroom that shouldn't be there if he never went in there. What? There's his Birkenstock. Oh, I remember the Birkenstock now. Which it turned out to be an off-brand Birkenstock that he bought at Sam's Club. Birkenstock. That we have a 20-minute conversation about on our podcast. Birkenstock. Did I name him? <laughs> Kirkenstocks. We named him. We came up with a generic Strickland, Kirkland brand name. Kirklandstocks. Yeah, we came up with a fake name. Also, his glasses, which he always wore, wound up in the bedroom somewhere. But so I but and then he later when he's called on it in court, 
He says he did step into the bedroom, but he lied about it because he thought it wouldn't look good. And it's true. It makes him look terrible. But if he had never lied and had just admitted that he maybe stepped a few feet into the bedroom, this whole thing would be different. Because how would you also know that your mom was dead from that far away? I don't know. The reenactment room. Well, it's a small bedroom. We see it on Dateline and the bed is like two feet away from the door. It's very small. At least that's what we were saying in our Patreon episode. So I think it's maybe conceivable he could see that she looked blue from the doorway. But he says he's so adamant that he never stepped foot in there, which makes all of that stuff look really terrible. If he had just never was so adamant about that, then it would have been fine. But also you say I was attacked. I saw my mom dead and I was attacked by my stepfather from behind. I was in shock. I didn't know how far I stepped into the room. I didn't think I stepped into the room, but I guess I did. How was he also hit in the nose from behind? Well, he, they eventually are tossling. They're like wrestling. But when he hit him from behind first, did he draw blood from something? No, he tried. He choked him from behind, I think. And then Kevin kind of got off and then he tackled him again. It was like a whole thing. Was it actual blood droplets on her leg or was it spray or was it smudge? Or do we know what it was? What kind of blood? Droplets. Droplets. Blood, it was like they wonder, We they wondered on the dateline, is it possible he got hit in the nose and it like spattered yes. onto her leg. Because noses bleed like crazy, right? When you're hit right. in the nose. Yeah. Is it also something? But then I feel like there would have been more blood. Right. But yeah, if it, did they find blood on the floor? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. No, just on her leg and the comforter. It's weird. And also if they're fighting. Okay, so if Kevin is out of the room and William's back is in the room and he hits Kevin like this, could it be from his hand whipping back and blood on his knuckles from hitting him in the nose? Interesting. Did I say that last time? No. Oh, I've gotten smarter. Good. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) anyways, now we are at actual court because that's enough. Apparently, just those blood droplets. There's got to be more than that. But Kevin, more than ever, ever before, Kevin looks absolutely nothing at all like the actor playing him not the same hair color not the same ethnicity i think no but what's funny in the dateline is that he kevin himself has a huge glow up in between his court thing and when he was a d-bag sitting on the couch with cheeto hands and so he loses a ton of weight he cuts his hair he gets his act Mm. like he looks completely like we couldn't recognize one kevin from two kevin and so now we can't recognize actual Kevin from reenactment Kevin. Okay. So who is the real, will the real Kevin kind please stand up? Yeah. So the prosecution says that this was a case of the baby bird who would not leave the nest and he would not take care of himself. He was attached to his mom and his anger built up and built up when he was asked to leave until it just boiled over and he snapped. The defense suggests that Kevin was framed by William slash Bill, which would have been kind of easy for him to do because Kevin freaked out and ran out of the house. Mm -hmm. But then why would Bill slash William attack him and let him go because he knew that Kevin would be a witness? Like he knew that Kevin would know. Because he had to give Kevin some injuries to make him look like the mom fought back? Yes. Or good, good call to go along with the story that he caught her in the act. He had to say, I saw him doing it. Yes. And what would be the logical thing if you saw your son attacking your wife, you would try to stop them. 
Right. Exactly. He had to say, I tried to stop him. Yeah. And then he lost his pants in the struggle and he ran off. And then I called 911, except I didn't because her body was cold. So I took time to frame him. And but so Kevin's story makes more sense because he was asleep on the couch. He doesn't know when it happened. And then his dad, his stepdad came and said, you need to come to see your mom right now. Your mom wants to see you. And then he went. He was like called to the bedroom by the dad goes in and she's dead. And then he's attacked from behind. The framing sounds totally plausible. Yes, absolutely. It really. And even the guy who's telling us this, I don't know who he is. I think he's a reporter or something. One of our interviewees has an orange shirt. Is it him? And I didn't know if they put him in orange on purpose or if he just happened to show up in orange. We're not talking about that. We're not going to talk about that. Because it broke the fourth wall because usually it's just the show that sticks to the pop of color. I saw it. I know. That, I think, was our detective. That was one of the detectives, it yeah, seemed maybe. like. But it seemed like everybody was kind of not super convinced that Kevin was actually guilty, which is surprising. Normally, it's like said and done. But regardless, the jury thinks that the blood evidence outweighs the fact that he passed the polygraph, which I had right. forgotten about. And I was right. like, oh. And so, but polygraphs can't really be admitted into court. But they're suggesting that he was that delusional that he passed a polygraph. And I'm like, I don't think, I don't see that. That doesn't seem right to me, but it's not a lie if you believe it. But that soon after his mom was found dead, like the same day? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. No. Okay. All right. So, Regardless, he's guilty, according to the jury. He gets uh, charged with second-degree murder, and he is sentenced to life in prison. Now we get various shots around the set of Florida. Like Seminale. With Spagos and William slash Bill with his orange work gloves leaning over that fence that still doesn't look like it's painted. And we're told that the community still gossips about the murder. And then our geckos reappear. They're back. They're on the yeah. fence. Oh, is that why they're on the fence? Get it? On the fence? Oh. All right. And the broken fence, which had nothing to do with the murder. Oh. Broken fences can't be mended. They're, sure. Yeah. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's broken fences <laughs> are yesterday's. It's tomorrow's. today's yesterday. Okay, great. Yeah. So Brenda tells us, with that dark cloud still lingering, things in Seminole aren't quite as sunny as they used to be. No deadbolt can save you from a killer when he's living under your roof, which totally fit. I mean, it does. I would have preferred it if there was a deadbolt involved, but maybe that's too picky. And I should just thank my blessings that it actually does fit. Hashtag blessed. This fits better than the better than one we've had in many a moon. No, you're right. You're right. And then if you were to stop the episode right now, like (laughs) I did. Because it goes into the next thing and it like cuts off. So on the app, it starts playing the next episode like it does the little timer down. So I always have to like if I don't catch it fast enough, I have to like go back and do it. You have to pause or something. So I did it because I was trying to see if suddenly our geckos reappeared at the very end. And I see that we have a black screen with white writing on it, which means there are updates. (laughs) And we find out something so incredibly important so incredibly important that they don't include it in the episode they just put it in the and you could miss it if you have it on autoplay you could so easily miss it if you have it on autoplay you're not gonna see this i'll tell you right now you'd never know it's gonna cut off brenda's last two words and you're moving on to the next episode all right Mm -hmm. so what we find out is 
In July 2014, a Florida appeals court ordered a new trial for Kevin. Oh, you know what? 2014? Yeah. Okay, so this episode aired in 2013. So there that's why there's an addendum. That's why it's not actually part of the episode. I thought they were just lazy and just put part of the story in there. They didn't. No, I figured it was something. They added it. Okay. Okay. So they ordered a new trial. The new trial happened in February of 2015. Kevin is found not guilty, and he is released. Yay! Kevin is out. Will slash Billiam has not been arrested for this crime. No. What happened? I think, well, I know from our Patreon, you had some great outside info, but nothing has happened since then in terms of this case. No, I mean, what happened here? Did Kevin not do it, or did Kevin do it? I think William did it, 100%. When th- I would... Bet my life on it. That sure. But there are things that were not included that were in the dateline that I'll say, just listen to our Patreon. It's really, it's a lot that make it very, huh, I maybe Kevin did it, but it really seems to us, we both kind of came to the conclusion that that William William did it. it. And it's not a coincidence. The dad did it and he's not getting caught for it. You don't like the coincidence. So how can it be a coincidence with the first wife? Exactly. How can it be a coincidence with his both of his wives dying and him getting life insurance policies? Mm-hmm. Also, what we I'll give you one of the things from the outside info is that or from the dateline, which they talk about a lot on the dateline. He had two buildings burned down mysteriously <gasps> and collected insurance on them. So two yes. wives, two buildings, insurance. So he's the unluckiest guy in the world. And then his third wife died. <laughs> which was one of your outside info. Oh, that's right. So he got married again, but she died of cancer. So he's just incredibly unlikely slash guilty, and it's a combination of all of them. That was also the funny thing that happened. Our rocker friend comes back at the end and is like, who would marry this dude? (laughs) He can't get married again. Who would marry him? And he calls him a dude. Two for two, man. Two for two. God, who is that guy? I don't know. I love him. He was great. He was a great interview. We could have had him and not the mysterious woman in shadow. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Why was she there? Also, it made me really want to know who she was. Your name's not Jacqueline. Right. It just brings up more questions, right? Who is she? And then you might want to Google it. Like I could see people trying to find more info because she's being so mysterious. It seemed to be a friend of Kevin. And I'm wondering, I don't remember. Maybe I found this out in outside info. Does Kevin have a wife? No, I don't know. We never got that far. I'm guessing this might be Kevin's girlfriend or maybe internet friend. She wouldn't want to appear on it. Wow friend. Yeah. Wow friend. I don't know. Yeah. This is a wild story. Did we come to it? We came to the conclusion, Bill or William, though. We, we did. did. Okay. But there are things that don't look great for Kevin. For sure. There's lots of things, but it's not enough to make me think that William did it. Didn't do it. It didn't seem like, I would say, unless that the brain tumor caused some sort of, like, issue. Personality issue. Right. In his brain. It didn't. Was he violent? He seemed pretty passive. You can't get a full feeling, but it just doesn't seem. Well, you're getting all of the Patreon stuff out of me, but. Oh, I'm sorry. William had a history of instigating. I'm sorry. Kevin had Mm -hmm. a history of instigating fights with William. And trying to get William to hit him so that he would call the police on him. And he did call the police once saying William attacked him. 
but William never attacked him. So William was the really the pacifist one. Kevin, the son, really did have a temper and had called the police. And then he's arrested later. So that was why the trial, he got a new trial, was because they played yes. the 911 call, the fake 911 call, where he said William attacked him the first time, which was fake, um, trying to get his stepdad arrested. They played that in the first trial, and they felt like it was too, it was prejudicing, pre, preju, pre, prejudicing, prejudicing, done prejudiced, mm -hmm. did it. Yeah, the jury, tainting the jury. So the judge agreed, and that's how he got the new trial. Oh, were they able to bring anything in the trials in about wife number one or no? Yes, I think so. Oh, because that would have given reasonable doubt, I feel like. I think so. For sure. And the two insurance buildings. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't know. This seems. But we had questions about what William did for a living because we felt like, well, why is he getting all this prejudicial treatment? But not that's not the right word. Why is he getting all this better treatment? Preferential. Preferential, preferential. treatment. It seems like because they kept leaning towards Kevin, even though they themselves kept thinking William, the dad, looks really shady. And we said, but he's just a guy who sits around and like lives off the life insurance of his first wife. But but in this blood relatives. No, they tell us he's a real estate guy. So the blood relatives actually gave us more, much more info on that, that he okay. was a successful businessman who may have known the cops and that could because in the our dateline we're like did he know the cops were they just like buddy buddy oh we did suggest that that's good because i wrote that down this time it seems like that he's getting special treatment so yeah. yay i'm glad i is he buddy buddy or you even said maybe he it sounds like almost he paid off someone right and the blame shifted to kevin and we were like but how did he do that and then now we learn from blood relatives he did have a really successful business. The drop of blood on the leg does not seem like enough. That's basically all they had against Kevin. And it's really because he said he never went in the room. And the glasses and the one shoe. There was like one shoe by the door, one shoe in the bedroom. And then we argued a lot about with if he wore the shoe. Oh, there was one shoe in the bedroom and they showed it to him. Mm -hmm. And he said, I've never seen yes. that shoe before in my life. And they said, we have the receipt. You've had it for a year. You bought it at Sam's Club. So he lot Kevin lied about going into the room and that that shoe was not his. He's never seen that shoe before. And it's like, I don't know that shoe. New shoe who this. They couldn't say, <laughs> but they couldn't new bark who this, but they couldn't yeah. say that William had not put that shoe in. Did they test the shoe and other things for DNA to see no. if William's DNA was on it? Like he had moved the shoe? No, but. I think if it was on it, he'd say, well, I straightened up his shoes all the time. He's a dirt teenage dirtbag. He leaves his shoes around the house all the time. So mm. I move him. Mm. But yes, he very easily could have moved that shoe while he was in while the son was asleep on the couch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I think what the 100 percent William did it okay. even after listening to our Patreon. And we thought the same thing. But it's a very interesting case. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a little bit of that bathtub mystery where you're like, there's stuff on both sides. A lot like that. Oh, gosh, it drives me crazy. Or the um, one we just did for Patreon with Kathy and Nancy Fister. Which makes me not because I feel like if I had two more pieces of information, yeah. everything would lock into place. And instead, it's just I'm almost there. What happened? Because I can't see it happening in my head. I don't understand. 
Well, in the Dateline, you felt like neither of their stories was true. They're all a little bit true. And not like there was a third person, but they're all lying about something. And so that none of them are telling the exact truth about what happened. That's what you thought. So it's good to think you think exactly the same. Let's talk about symbols really quick. I have. No. The sand timer. I don't know. Orange. Time. Just time. Alligator head. Just time. Alligator head. Florida. Fence. Florida. The fence. On the fence. Fences make good neighbors. Mending fences. The wrench made no appearance ever again. No. After it was smashed. Means nothing. Why did we need to... That props person put a lot of time into that shadow box. Mm -hmm. Um, An axe. That was another red herring. The iguanas, obviously. Storm metaphors. Steaming coffee, which is a constant metaphor on the show. The keys. Like when he's flipping through the keys. No, that's just the orange key or the key to the murder. It's just the orange. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. The goldfish are orange. So it's mainly just orange and the iguanas. Orange and coral. Orange pill. But there's some other random things put in like the alligator head or croc, whatever. Florida. They literally saw Florida and were like, we need crocodiles. Yeah. Iguanas and orange juice. They should have put in more old people. And Jews. There you go. Yeah, or like a golf cart. Old Jews. There you go. That's Florida. Golf Golf cart. I feel like that's perfect. Oh, well, I think you got them all. I don't know, but I was happy that we saw our our animal at the end. We haven't been getting that. And they finally tied the animal back in. So they tied it in nicely then with the deadbolt comment and the iguanas. Yeah, I need to watch more season two now because I have been ignoring it. Like completely ignoring it. But now, yeah, now I'm going to go back. No, I think it's good. I think it's worthy. That was a good suggestion. Who suggested that we cover this one? Andrea. Thank you, Andrea. Thank Canning? No. Thank you, Andrea, from the internet? Yeah, from Twitter. <laughs> Twitter Andrea. Thank you very much. No, I don't have anything else. The title, Flesh and Blood, could probably apply to every blood relatives, except once again, we have a killer who is not blood, we think. Oh, yeah, we do. We think. Our opinion is that the killer was not blood neither one was blood related no he was her actual son oh yes it was yes yes her actual son yeah Yeah. but we do think oh brother i don't know what's happening there but we still love the show but flesh and blood is a good title the the blood did it that was the key so oh get oh that's true oh the blood is the the key key. the blood is the key the orange key it's great okay thank you everyone for listening i hope you're all of your tomorrows your yesterday's (laughs) tomorrows are forever ellipsis Today is yesterday's ellipsis. I love it. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Also, the cops that talk to them, mm-hmm. one of them says Jessup. Jessup. Does that mean something? It, no, it means, no. I looked it up. Its origin is Hebrew. Oh, stop it. What's up, my Jews? It is a variant of Joseph, and the meaning is Jehovah increases no it is not <laughs> you're just you're messing with me that is no jessup is one of those people i used to work with some cops when i did costumes and usually they would have their own cop outfit and his happened to say jessup oh so that's like good on your resume if you like come with your own cop o- costume it's a big it's a big win if you're playing an extra a lot as a cop but no because it would have to match the partner cop that they're putting you with and that's a different actor the baseline costumes are normally the same the same that okay. blue yeah 
Yeah, you could rent them. It's crazy. Anyways, but so I think that guy had a name tag that could be Velcroed on or off. And they were like, no, oh. we like it. Leave it on. But it's really noticeable that he has it. It's so, no, they almost do a close up and you're like, Jessup, who's Jessup? Jessup? Yeah, it's weird. 